Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have an incredible, legendary guest on this week. I am so excited to have Patricia Corey on the show. She's been channeling the Syrian High Council for over 25 years. She's written so many books, and we're going to be talking about her most latest book today, The New Syrian Revelations, Galactic Prophecies from the Sixth Dimension. With a title like that, you already know it's going to be an incredible interview, and we're going to talk to her in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us. So when people like Patricia Corey come on, you get that notification instantly to your device, or if it's in the future, your neural link or wherever you're getting it in the time stream, if we even are still going to be in the time stream, then you know what's going on. You get that instantly. And of course, lastly, please tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these types of podcasts. Look at the guests we've had on. Look at the topics that we cover. It's the highest frequency information. We are trying to help humanity evolve. So bring your fellow humans here. Midnightonearth.com. So now we're just about to talk to Patricia. But first, I'm going to read her bio. So here we go. For more than 25 years, Patricia Corey has channeled a group of discarnate beings known as the Syrian High Council. An internationally acclaimed author and thought leader, she is a frequent guest on radio and TV programs, including Project Camelot, The Washington Times, Fade to Black, and Coast to Coast AM. She and her expert guests discuss thought-provoking topics on her program, Beyond the Matrix, available on her YouTube channel. She is the author of more than a dozen books, including the cosmos of the soul and so many others. Recently, she has begun channeling multidimensional visions and spirit animals through her newly discovered gift as an artist. She lives in the Azores Islands in Portugal, which she believes are the remnants of the ancient continent of Atlantis and by the grace of the divine, the Syrian High Council, and all points in between, she is here with us today. Hello, Patricia. What an intro is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, look at the work you've done. It's been amazing. You've helped to anchor the vibe. We talk about that so much on the show, and you talk about that in your book. You anchored the light. You were here to bring that in, and I appreciate you so much, as do my listeners. Oh, I'm very grateful to hear that. I'm an old timer, you know, <laughs> as I watch the star scene phenomenon unfold, it's like, Phew. 
What, what, do you, what do you think about this? You've been you've been doing this for so many years, and and in the last five years, there's been a star seed explosion. There has indeed. Well, of course, it's all in divine timing because there's also been a darkness explosion. So the star seed are rushing in, and that balance between dark and light is in full swing. And we're here to experience what that means as citizens of temporarily at least, planet Earth. And by the way, I just want to, before we go any further, I wanted to say that I really hope I do not come through to people on Neuralink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's hope that that future doesn't exist, but who knows, with the way humans are, and you talk about this in your book, so many humans are just okay with with surrendering their divinity, their individuality, their humanity to these machines. It's really remarkable watching this unfold. I've been talking about it forever, and we've been, the Syrians have been warning about it forever. Um, you know, the book that we're talking about today is new, but it's a reissue of a book that I, of the, of the book by the same title that I, I came out with at the beginning of 2018, which was a pre very much premonition of what was coming right now. And we uh, reissued it because the publisher thought it was very important to freshen it up to, to the moment and uh, bring it back out to people too, that haven't had the chance to read it. I so, guess I didn't realize that Patricia. And that is mind blowing because I read the book and it seemed like it was written for now. Yeah. Well, I didn't do very much changing to it. I mean, I added an addenda or an, an epilogue, right? Um, an introduction, a preface, not an epilogue, a preface, and uh, changed a tiny bit of dates, but all of the information was, whew, when that came out, it was the beginning of 2018, right before all of this unfolded. And it was very urgent. I, I channeled it very quickly. It was like, bam, 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 sitting there bringing it through. And then when they asked me to reissue it, uh, it was again, bam, 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 bam. Okay, it's ready to roll. So uh, hopefully we, we reach more people with it this time. Oh, that makes sense because as I was reading the book, uh, towards the end, there was a date that the transmissions were coming through and it was 2018. And then afterwards, you, you updated it with more information. So now I understand, wow, that is just like a whole other dimension because that information was so relevant to now, yes, but it was indeed. coming through... What is that? Five years ago now? Yes. Six. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's very exciting, actually, that it did come out then and now it's being reissued because it it pro predicted or, or forecasted what we're going through now in, in a very big way. And especially the information about how we are in the we are slipping into the fourth dimension. And I'm sure we'll talk about that today, how oh. time is us and uh oh boy here we are <laughs> immersed in it yes. it's really exciting. it's but it's beautiful at the same time because you know the ascension is unstoppable now this is something we talk about on the show a lot which i kept reading in your book and i knew that we were resonant beings that we are star seeds here to do that same mission when you talked about how earth is evolving whether we like it or not, like whether we as humans feel like we have an impact on that, whether we feel like we are a huge part of it in a way, it doesn't even really matter because the earth's ascension, the earth moving into that next dimension is unstoppable. And we're just a part of the earth. 
Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So many people think of their own personal ascension or the ascension of humanity. Others, like me, think about the ascension of the earth. But the Syrians talk about the ascension of the sun and hence the ascension of the entire solar system that we are in, which explains, as the book uh, touches upon, how other planets are also shifting and, and just flipping out. I mean, Jupiter is going berserk. Saturn is losing its rings. It's it's uh, it's not just Earth that is going through this Mastodonian shift, uh, but it's obvious our planet of choice, the one that we're most concerned with. Yes, because we chose to be here, as you point out in your book, there's a beautiful chapter that's almost like a pep talk for starseeds having a hard time. I believe it's chapter seven, where you talk about how we chose to be here, though things can be hard as beings being in this dimension, realizing the terrible things, realizing the beautiful things that are happening. It can be hard. And for some people, it can lead to suicide. I've heard of starseed suicides. But at the end of the day, we all chose specifically, intentionally, and purposefully to be here. Um, yeah, the Syrians have also, in, in talks I've had with them, they've compared what we're going through to the great university of existence, the giant leap moment. And they say, you know, just like you sign, you decide to take on the university in your education system, so have you decided to take on the great university of galactic evolution. And may we add, one of the Syrian High Council has a sort of ironic approach. May we add, uh, she said, nobody said it was going to be easy. Did you think it was going to be easy to take a giant leap in your spiritual evolution? The answer is probably not. So congratulations for having the courage even if you can't remember it, the courage to not only come in at this time, because there's plenty of souls that have come in who don't have that courage and who are leaving, who are choosing to opt out. Congratulations to those of you who know you're here for that purpose and are willing to stay the ground, go through the process, experience all of it and, and hold the light. Wow. Yes. <laughs> it's an incredible task and it takes a very love, loving, love-based soul to not worry in a sense, not consider or let those negative aspects affect the choice and the loving being, the loving light being made the choice to come here to do this great work to help humanity get to the fourth dimension. And may I say, a lot of times I hear starseeds say, I want to leave here. I'm sick of this earth. I hate this dysfunctional planet. <laughs> Excuse me, but have you looked around? Because what I'm looking at is the most glorious, lush green hillside valley, the ocean beyond it, a beautiful volcanic, volcanic mountain across the bay, which we hope never blows, <laughs> a beautiful sunny day. Two beautiful animals who love me beyond measure, a beautiful home, etc. And so part of that process of being here in, in love and anchoring the light is celebrating that moment, that beauty, that experience, and training the mind and therefore the, the energy body to, to pull back from from. It, let's say, I hate the expression raise the frequency. It's so overworked. 
But uh, of course, that's what I mean. Rise up from the bandwidth of fear and disempowerment and rise up to the celebration of that moment, that choice, that experience. And my dear Jake, always remembering this is a brief passage we're going through here. I mean, as souls incarnating, it's like, okay, so we decided to come in. Okay, we're here. I personally believe that, and the Syrians validate, that we knew exactly what we were doing when we decided to incarnate, and we know exactly when we came in, why, who would be the parents, and we know exactly when we're going out. And I resonate with that information, which makes me very fearless about survival, because I figure between those two poles of coming in and going out, there's a lot of free will choices that I make every day. But that aspect of my existence is kind of a preset situation. So there's no point in fretting about when that is, because going out, we will be. Yes, absolutely. And it is a beautiful graduation ceremony. And again, we are only here as humans for what feels like five minutes when people are on their deathbed and they're dying and they look back at their life, they feel like their life went by in five minutes. So we're here for this really brief time to do work. Yes. The place is beautiful. Earth is amazing. The food. Oh my God. Patricia, tell me if this is true. Does earth have the greatest food in the universe or like the greatest food in the galaxy, maybe the universe, but definitely the galaxy. It really is a, a <laughs> you know, I'm Italian. And, and so I'm, I, I, first of all, I'm a good cook. I will say that without humility. I love to cook. It's in my genes. But as far as earth being a, an abundant source of food, I recently uh, watched a video, a couple of videos by a guy who, who does survival camping. And he was out there in the middle of the forest and he was plucking berries and showing how all the edible fruits and he was foraging. And I, I was like, God, you know, if you just listen to the earth, it's all there for us. All the herbs, all the fruit, it's so abundant. And we've just been programmed into being, believing that the processed stuff is what we've got to work with. Oh no. Oh, contraire. (laughs) Even without killing any animals or fish or animals, there is an abundance of food on this planet. Absolutely. And not to mention the fact that through our inspiration, through natural organic sources, we can create new proteins that aren't lab grown meat, that aren't destroying environments. All of these things. We have this intrinsic manifestation power to manifest everything that we could possibly need. All of this scarcity is again, like you're saying, programming from people that want you to buy the food products that make them billions. And to keep you as sick as possible for their pals that are running the pharma situation. You know, big pharma is above everything. It's above government. It's above the oil industry, which it also owns. It's it's at the top of the corporate food chain. In order to be in that, They need a sick population, right? Yes. And also a suppressed consciousness, which the physical body being sick suppresses consciousness, but also these drugs themselves that are out there, the prescription drugs, the drugs in the water, the chemicals in the food, all of this is designed to suppress consciousness. Mental illness is just as bad, if not worse as physical illness. And of course, you and I both know it leads to physical illness anyway. Absolutely. Because if, if you 
trap those thoughts, the, that pain in your body, it eventually metastasizes into some form of physical illness, including cancer, since I use the word metastasize. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and of course, you know, I, I hear some pretty shocking numbers, like one out of four people in America is on a mind controlling med. That doesn't include the illicit drugs that don't seem to be illicit anymore. They're handing them out like candy. Oh, yeah. I you live know? in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Believe me, they, their drugs are decriminalized here. Yeah, I see them handing out these kits. I'm thinking instead of handing them out kits with needles and, and crack pipes, how about if you figure out a way to help these people get off this stuff? But of course, a drugged population is a controllable population. Hence the drugs. Yes, absolutely. And of course, in your book, you talk about how that is just one mechanism that the forces that are anti-humanity and anti-spiritual growth are keeping us bound in the third dimension. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, what is the sixth dimension? Where is the sixth dimension? How do these dimensions work in a nutshell? Well, you know that in a nutshell, seriously, Jake. <laughs> Okay, and that's the fact that we are, uh, <laughs> we were designed to be 12 stranded DNA beings, Christed beings with 12 stranded, complex, um, geometrically divine DNA structures. And for reasons that have been described in many of my books, this was uh, scrambled when intrusion happened on, on two homo sapiens, I can't go into it here. It's just too long for me to sure. describe it, read about it in, in the vast works that I've put out. But in essence, we were taken down to two strands. So we've got 10 strands of DNA scrambled without understanding in our being, hence the term junk DNA. It's there. It's, it's not plugged in. It's like a switchboard that has all the plugs unplugged. And we have, two strands that were operating the double helix. But of course it's there, that DNA information is there. And those, hence those universes, those dimensions are also within us. So we always think about the dimensions as being somewhere else and we have to go and uh, um, ascend to some place where this dimensional layer is. But trying to not be very uh, complex in a brief conversation, as you said, in a nutshell, <laughs> uh, let's consider that these dimensions are within us. They're, they're levels, densities of consciousness that exist within us, that we can achieve within us, not necessarily that we have to go somewhere to, to be in them. Right. I think that achieving that state of the six dimensional awareness within you takes you to uh, some level of being that is beyond your perception as a three dimensional being. So is it a layer? Is it a density? It's too hard to, to fathom that as the council say, you're three D beings, no matter how hard you try to fathom this, it's only your imagination because you're, you're still trapped in the perception of boundary, of form, mm. of density that you're in. But you have the capacity within you. That's why you dream of it. That's why you, you perceive it on, in your dream states because it's in you. It's the DNA golden filaments 
that plug into these other dimensions. They're in you, they're around you, they are your multidimensional beings. And once you reach that state of consciousness, you start to perceive more of that uh, limitlessness that is the higher dimensions and less of the boundaries of physical 3D. <laughs> so essentially, all of the information is there. It's just our awareness, our perception that needs to expand in order to process the information that exists in these dimensions, including the light beings that are there. That's right. And for years now, I've been teaching all around the world. In fact, you've heard the term DNA activation. I was truly, I believe, one of the very first, if not the first person to bring that through 26 years ago under the council's guidance. And there, and I, I also have that now on my website, which we'll talk about later. Wow. But the idea is that the Syrian Psych Council are giving us templates of how to reconstruct the DNA so that you, you activate one strand, one more strand, the third strand, and weave it into the double helix. And that creates um, the start, the tetrahedron within the DNA golden strands. And then the next activation is another entire tetrahedron, the four, five, six strands, another uh, tetrahedron that you then meld into the previous one and you create the star tetrahedron or the Merkaba in the DNA itself. Wow. It's heavy duty stuff, I'll tell you. I've been teaching it all over the world and it's on my website. And you know, so many people have, have felt immense shifting by doing that work and recognizing that there's sacred geometry at the DNA level, undoes disharmony. Even uh, I propose undoes a lot of the damage that's been done by the jabber and uh, reconstructs that higher consciousness within the DNA. So when you tap into that understanding, it creates a pathway, it seems, to that truth. And it seems like that energy comes in to restructure your true DNA form. That's exactly right. And it takes you closer to your Christ consciousness, which is what you were originally designed to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, fully eliminated. So then tell me about the Syrian High Council, because there are some listeners and we have so many listeners in 177 countries. There's about 97 countries that come every week, thousands and thousands of people. But some of these people may not have heard of the Syrian High Council. So can you just briefly tell us about them, their history and how you establish contact with them? Okay. I love how you condense this all into a mini second. Here we go. I have been, a, as a child, uh, at four years old, my mom said I walked into the kitchen. I don't remember this. And she said, Mom, I'm not from here. I said, sorry, Mom, I'm not from here. And she was busy cooking. And she said, oh, oh that's nice, honey. Where are you from? And I said, I'm from another universe. That's a parallel universe. But you're not ready to understand it yet. So we'll just wait. And I walked back out. Now, this was in the 50s. This was not language being used in the 50s by anyone, including children. Okay. So um, my mother told me that she would see me talking out in, I used to have a fort out in the garden. We lived in a, in a, on a hill and it was pretty isolated. So I spent a lot of time alone, which I still do to this day. And I used to talk to these, cre these beings 
And my mother said that I, I, uh, she, she blew it off because a lot of kids talk to beings, but, uh, more and more insisted they were, I called them the little blue people and they were from Sirius and they, they would tell me about multidimensional consciousness. I mean, you know, way, way before the indigo children, way before we reached this kind of consciousness. And, they were with me all the time. And fortunately, my mother encouraged it. She didn't, she just said, let's not tell your father about this because he has no clue. He won't, he won't embrace it. And as long as we talk about it privately, let it, let it be our thing. So she kept the portals open for me to be able to experience it. And all through my life, I've had these, this, this contact. And finally in 1997, I went to England to do a, a, color healing course. And one night during the course, I dreamt that I was flying over Stonehenge and there was a huge spiral in the field next to it. And when I woke up, I started to talk to the group about the other people in the class about it and um, discovered that there was this huge spiral next to Stonehenge, which was this huge crop circle called the Julius set. Until then, I wasn't very familiar with what crop circles were. I it, it, it was still an unknown phenomenon to me. But what's interesting is in the, in the middle of the night, I heard a voice say, while I was flying over this thing in my dream, I heard a voice say, this is a lock on point for interdimensional contact. It's going to be important for you. Pay attention. Wake up. And I woke up. So when I saw a picture of this Stonehenge with this actual thing, exactly precisely like the dream. I told one of the professors in the course, and he said, you're not here to take this color course. I'm going to take you to Stonehenge and bring you into that crop circle, which he did. And, and it was like three hours away, but it was just so amazing. He brought me there. I got into the crop circle. I barely got in. I lost consciousness. I was gone. And I was taken on this galactic experience altered state like nothing I'd ever experienced in my life and there encountered these beings this like you you said where is the sixth dimension somewhere over the rainbow baby <laughs> I was taken on this most extraordinary out-of-body experience I was I could I could see myself every movement that I made there was like a cosmic web golden strands of light and everything I touched made the entire universe resonate. If I moved, it would be like, like a spider on a, on a web. Everything would move. If I looked at something, it would, it would light up and light would run along these, these, these filaments, right? I was totally plugged in. And when I came back, two hours later, the man who had brought me, the professor, was standing over looking at me, and there was a woman who, before I saw him, there was a woman looking down at me and she said, you're okay. You're okay now. All right, come back. And when I, I opened my eyes and uh, to look around further, I saw him, but she was gone. Poof. So I knew that she was an astral being. And I apologized to him. I was in such a state of, of confusion. I said, I'm so sorry. I think I, I, I think I, I lost consciousness for a few minutes. He said, you've been out for two and a half hours. Whoa. So he went to get the car. I was trying to stand up, which was not easy. He kept saying, are you okay? And I, I said, yeah, I need, I need just to be alone for a minute. 
And as I was coming out, I saw plasma balls, people from every dimension. I mean, characters in costumes, which, of course, can happen at Stonehenge anyway. (laughs) Uh, And uh, even Men in Black, I saw it all. And the next the day that I got home from this experience, even flying home, I was I just couldn't get back into my body. Right. And the next day after I got home, I started getting these messages. I got awakened at four in the morning. We are the Syrian High Council. And out came the first book, The Cosmos of Soul. So that's the background. (laughs) Who they are, they are the three prominent speakers of a body of beings, light beings called the Syrian High Council, which is comprised of, you ready? Yes. Whales, dolphins. Uh, there are some higher frequency Pleiadians because we, we know the Pleiadians are, eh, there's a lot going on on that level. There are, and, and it's a, it's a body of consciousness that is formless. These beings are light beings. They have no, even, even no body configuration they're just balls of light. Right. And they reside on the sixth, the sixth density or the sixth dimension. Wow. Well, I guess I have to ask you because so many people are talking about Pleiadians. What do you mean that there's a little bit of problem in the Pleiadian area? Uh, I understand that there are, there's a a range in the Pleiadian vibrational field, which has lower and higher energies. And there's been a lot of conflict and competing and discrediting and uh, mistruth and whatever enough for me to say, there's no cohesion in the Pleiadian information unless it's that really higher vibratory signature that some people are bringing through. So you're saying that, they're, they're evolved to a certain point, but they're not, you could say, as evolved as the Syrians. I would say that. I would also say there, there aren't that many people that are claiming to channel the Syrians. Have you noticed? I, that is why you're here. I, I I actually did notice that. And when your publicist sent me your book and your contact and everything, I right away, I was like, yes, somebody's talking about Syrian revelations. The only other person that I know that's talking about Syrians is Gail Lynn and her harmonic egg, which she claims is Syrian technology. I've had Gail on my show. Yes. She's a good friend of mine. now. She's an incredible lady. Yes, she is. That's a nice synchronicity. And I just had my first harmonic egg session and had a life-changing, mind-blowing experience. So, yeah, there, uh, and it's really interesting because I've been the Syrian emissary for publicly for 25 years, and there's there's no one out. I mean, I, I, I don't know anyone who's claiming to channel the Syrian uh, information. No so, one is, really. Yeah, but there's everybody and their mother claiming to channel the Pleiadians. Absolutely. So I think that's also one of the things I'm trying to say is a lot of that lower stuff may or may not be actual uh, Pleiadian channeling. <clears throat> Do you feel like the lower bandwidth Pleiadians are in a sense feeding their ego or gratifying some sense of self-worth by communicating with certain humans who then put them on a pedestal? 
That's very possible. You know, I hear about Pleiadian ships completely encircling the earth and I'm like, really? Five dimensional beings are in material ships, but we can't see a single thing. I I don't resonate with it very much. Mm. Uh, You know, one thing about being a channel is it's important to stay pure, as pure as you can. So I don't listen to hardly any other channeled information because I trust implicitly what I get from my source. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. So then why are people talking so much about 5D right now? Literally, everybody's talking about we're evolving to 5D, 5D consciousness, but you don't talk about that at all in your book. In fact, you kind of stick to the fourth, sixth dimensions and then beyond. Um, the Syrian High Council have said, uh, why is it that there's this skipping right over the fourth dimension and this fascination with the fifth and above, you know, that's, that's a wrong concept. You've got to go through the fourth. Everything goes through the fourth. It's the clearing station for souls. It's in a, in a way it's like the purgatory of religion. It's like um, the river sticks. It's it's in all the religious belief systems. There's a form of a purgatory or gates or rivers to cross or challenges to overcome before you move on to heaven in some, but in our case, we can say to higher dimensional states of consciousness, right? Yes. So um, for the council, they have described that the fourth is a huge process. Why, for some reason, spiritual teachings seem to want to skip over it is because it's so painful. It's so difficult. This is where the great Challenges are, this is where, why Dante went, you know, had to go through this extreme, you know, battling whatever, dragons and whatever to get to the other side. That's where we are now. We're in this form of purgatory where light wins or not, where spirit uh, thrives and continues on or gets pushed back. And when I channeled that book, the council we're talking about, we were merging into the fourth. I believe that we're now heavily into the fourth. And that's one of the reasons. And the council say, it's going to still look like 3D to you because it, it's in many ways, the illusions of 3D will still hold their pattern in 4D. But you're going to notice a lot of things. One, you're going to be facing your karma full on. It's going to be in front of you. Your shadow will not be behind you. It will be in front of you. And you're going to have to look at it. And boy, aren't we testing our, aren't we being tested, having to look at our weaknesses and our pain and our suffering and our problems right in front and our karma. It's like instantly, I'm sure you'll agree with this. Yes. Instantly we're dealing with our karma. It's not, you know, in the next lifetime and it's not in a few years, it's tomorrow. Yes. You do it. The next thing you know, you're getting, it's like, Oh, there's the karmic retribution for that. <laughs> and very importantly, the council say you're going to be dealing with the karmic destiny, the karmic knots and retribution of civilization from time immemorial, because that's what the fourth dimension is. All humanity, all your history, all, and also let's not just say all of your war and suffering, also all your glory and renaissance and wisdom and incredible love and capacity for beauty all at the same time 
So this field of opportunity, why would anybody want to skip over it? The answer is very obvious to me is it sounds like it's, it would be nice to just avoid the whole damn thing and charge on up to the fifth dimension where everything is light and bliss. But not this girl. I, I'm amazed by the experience. I'm amazed by confronting my own karma. Fortunately, I have pretty good karma. But, you know, dredging it all up, it's like all of it. Who I am as a human being, who I am as a soul. Um, and it's like a wonderful thing to be in a state where we are really examining who we are as souls instead of just walking through life. And yes. I believe that this is what we're being offered here in this 4D reality. Yes, to truly live as light beings in a physical body. I think that when we activate that consciousness, that is our ascension into that new dimension where we're literally living in a higher bandwidth of love. It's really just love. Yes. And I think that in order to get to that place, you have to go through this moment, this karmic retribution place, like I said, un, not unlike all the religions with all their gates and lakes and rivers and whatever to cross and dragons and emerge cognizant, taking responsibility for all that has been, that you've been participant in your own, as well as the societal and rising above it. And that rising above it is preparation for moving into the, the next dimension, which I like to call density. So I don't want to skip over the fourth. Let me have it. I want to see it all. I want to be participant in all of it. Well, you signed up to do that as we all did. And whether we want to face what we signed up for or not is a personal choice. But if you remove attachment and just do the work, attachment to success, attachment to failure, attachment to death in this temporal physical form, if you remove all the attachment, then all of that fear of doing the work goes away because no matter what, there's a point where once you start doing the work that you will finish doing the work as hard as it could possibly be. There is a point of completion. Yes. But there's also a point of eternity. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you complete this little segment of the eternal soul and then go, okay, well, phew, on we go. Yes. It and is infinite. As you say, it just keeps going, but just getting past this little hump in the road, you could say. Which is the great test, which is the great, I mean, I think that at other points in our evolution, we've taken lovely little spirit steps on our pathway. And this is, if you look at it as a path and they're little stepping stones and it's all wonderful and beautiful. And then all of a sudden, boom, you come up against this cliff and you know that you've got to get up and over that cliff to get into the, into the light or let's say in, into the dawn and you do it. You manage it. You look at it. You know it's tough. You don't think you can do it. How the hell am I ever going to get up there? Oh, my God. And then you manifest a way up. And when you get to the top, you look back and go, whoa, I get it. Yes. And that sense of, of achievement, of, of soul rising, I truly believe that's where, where we are right now. And some people won't make it over that cliff. And that's perfectly fine. But a lot of us signed up to be able to leap up. I and mean, perhaps 
when we realize we can simply fly up, we'll do it that way. <laughs> it's true. There really is no limit to anything when you remove the paradigms and the programming that are instilled in us. The human being having the divine spark within us and being connected to the entire multiverse, parallel worlds and multiple dimensions, we have infinite power. We do. How exciting is that to be alive now and to be contemplating these things instead of our parents' things, which were, you know, rebuilding after the war and, you know, getting your kids through school. It's like there's a whole new paradigm. We're in an existential consciousness moment. Some of it is manipulated and controlled by by maniacs that are taking humans down to uh, animalistic levels. And others are enlightened by a, a... a, a huge body of beings. We are losing the need for spiritual leaders. Have you noticed? I have noticed that because it's all coming from within. That's right. And we, you know, we're, we're, we're excitedly sharing with each other like you and I are now this wisdom that we've acquired, that we're pulling it out from God knows where. And uh, so we're still sharing and marveling at our mutual experience. And we don't, and we're letting go of all the old, so-called leaders, even bless them, the Tibetans, you know, I mean, yes, wonderful, loving information, but it's been supplanted now by this incredible new awareness of our own multidimensionality. Yes. And that is part of the new earth future human consciousness, but some humans have already achieved this in our history. And you talk about the Mayans in your book and you feel like that many of them, millions of them ascended to the fifth and sixth dimension. What happened there? When I went to Palenque, I was leading a group of spiritual followers. I've I've taken many, many groups on spirit journeys We went to Palenque and I went uh, while the group was resting. I had them take me to into the the, uh, compound because I knew I was looking for something. Okay, because I was going to do a ceremony there the next day and I wanted to suss it out. So they took me in and the guy, the guide was not in tune with me at all. He was a control freak and he was saying, I think you should do it over here. I go, no, I want to go over there. And he said, here's where we usually I said, I don't care where you usually do. Please, I want to go over there. Because I could, I, I was gazing at this part of the compound, let's call it, and I could see, I swear to you, tubes of light emanating from the grass. It was all very grassy, emanating from the grass. I went, that's where the, the, they ascended from. They're, those fields are still there. And I thought, I wonder if I go over there, if I'll, be, if I'll ascend the hell out of here. <laughs> I really did. I thought, hmm, this is an opportunity I don't think I want to miss. And honestly, this is such a great story, and it's really true. I told this guy, look, I, I go, I'm going to go over there. I have a feeling that's where I want to do the ceremony. And suddenly it started to rain. And my intention was to go over there, close my eyes, and see what, ha- what would happen. <laughs> it started to rain. And when it rains in, in places like this, it doesn't rain. It pours right? Absolutely. I started to walk away from him and he was complaining about it and he was getting soaked and, and drenched. And so was I, and it was a deluge. And I went, I, I, and those, and the light started to diminish. And I went, okay, the universe is telling me, sorry, Charlie, you don't get to go yet. <laughs> we need you here, <laughs> Patricia. Come on. You can't just vibrate into a higher realm at this point. We still need you to do the work. I share. <laughs> 
So I came back. I was, and I, by the way, I got, I got sick because I was so wet and for so long, you know, those kinds of deluge type of rain that most places don't experience. But yeah, I looked back at it and I saw these tunnels. I mean, they were just pure columns of light, purple, bluish, violet light emanating out of this. It looked like a launch pad. And then when I looked again, the rain had dissipated these, these, columns and I could still see the sparkle of those colors, but they, they were gone. And I was like, okay, I'm being told I don't get to go. Not this right. time. Not yet. You'll get there eventually. And I think that, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the Mayans left because the environment became impossible to live in, to, 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 uh, thrive in. And because they, they knew that they had to go ahead and work from other dimensions to, to help us this planet they were already high frequency high vibration humans they had that society they were experimenting with natural plant medicines and connecting with galactics and angelics and they created a pathway to go to that place yeah so and i think that i think it's interesting to note that ascension is not necessarily limited to this moment in evolution so i think that was another ascension moment or portal when humankind ascended off the planet. And I'm sure there's been other ones that maybe are lost to history. Absolutely. No question. But the Mayans talk a lot about cycles. And in your book, you talk about cycles quite a bit. And this is something I've been thinking about. And please help me understand this. Are cycles universal law or are cycles products of universal law? And can cycles be transmuted energetically by by raising our vibration collectively can we move past certain cycles or is all existence bound by cycles boy those are some very awesome questions let me see if i if i can recall <laughs> one of them so for starters i believe that consciousness can alter anything but there are divine energies that hold perhaps hold the physical universe together i think that there you know when i was shown those bands of light when i was out of body it was like you know these strings of light are consciousness that's why when you touch or move or look they act, they interact with you and they hold the universe together so by nature of that fact i would i would say that there is divine consciousness holding the universe together and that we are part of that divine consciousness because we're divine beings. But can we, with our divinity and our consciousness move past cycles? Can we alter cycles or are they universal law? I, I think we're experiencing that happening now because we're moving into the fourth dimension and we're beginning to experience no time, which is a big part of this book. The fourth dimension is the, is the, the moving out of time as we understand it, where all of these laws apply the cosmic cycles, the astrology wheel and all of its influences are very much physical realities of a physical universe. The fourth dimension is where we are starting to move out of that uh, constraint of time space continuum and free falling into this, bizarreness of simultaneous time 
And when I talk about that, people get all freaked out because nobody can understand it. But yet, if you talk to your average person, they will tell you that they feel like time is, is slipping. There's no time. There, the, the time is mutating. What happened to 2023, by the way? Okay. It was summer. Now it's Christmas. What happened to those months? I get up at eight. It's five o'clock. All I've done is comb my hair and fed the dogs. It's the time. And it's mutating rapidly. And that's one of the um, elements that the council mentioned about this, this 4D reality is you're going to start to see time slip and it's going to freak you out because you don't know where to put this. And it's because you're moving into the fourth, out of the third. So you're still feeling like you're in the third, but there's a small matter of time not being the same as it was. And that is an absolute across the board, Jake. I mean, I'm living on this little island. It's a very, lot of farming here, simple folk. Beautiful people here. I'm really lucky to be here. And even the farmers, now, these are earth people, right? They're saying it's, something's off. The animals are acting differently. The time in the morning is different. Their workday is shorter. And I'm like, wait until it slips completely. Well, that'll be interesting. How's that going to look? And I think that then your question about cycles, will. I think that I will disappear because we will be on a diving board, if you can try to picture this metaphor, just about to dive into the cosmic sea of multidimensional reality. Where we land, no one knows, because I don't believe that the entire uh, race, the, the human race, is going to the same dimension. Four is the clearing station. From there, depending on where you are as a soul, evolutionary soul, you will determine what you spring to, what, where you resonate, how refined your spirit is to take you to what density. You might skip right over the fifth and sixth. So some of those humans, though, then would they be staying in the third dimension if, they don't, if their frequency doesn't resonate with that? When you say that some people wouldn't be going, like, where are they going? Are they staying or where would they be going if they're not moving upward? Well, a lot of them are dying. And isn't it interesting that that coincides with the mass die off that has happened since the jabber? Oh, yeah. And a lot of them are dying. And then there's the question of free will. And uh, that's an area that I don't think we probably want to get into. But <laughs> being is like a lot of people that are not going to go forward have chosen death either deliberately or not and are just ready to go back they don't, they're they're not ready to make that big dive or a big leap and will be perfectly happy to reincarnate perhaps somewhere else because i don't think this planet is going to hold resonance in 3d oh okay so then those people based on whatever energetic factors may reincarnate on a similar earth-like planet where there are conscious evolving beings to learn those same lessons in that bandwidth. Sure. And that shouldn't be hard for a star seed to figure out because we've not, been yeah. over the universe, right? We <laughs> exactly. know that there's 8 trillion planets or what or semblances thereof. And that, um, you know, earth is just one of many of one of my favorite, uh, gorgeous planets with so much beauty and, and oh, I know. bounty. 
It's a beautiful planet we have here. It's absolutely stunning. I absolutely love humanity. I love Earth. I just believe that some of the humans are not making correct choices. But overall, this is this is a gem. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous, beautiful work of art. Yeah, and I see it as a platform, as as I've been discussing, for leaping into other or onto or whatever that preposition would be, other realities, other levels of, of consciousness. And some are cont- that if it's not going to be the way they want it, if things aren't going to go the way they want it, they're perfectly okay with at a soul level dying. Funny. We don't use that word. It's so scary. We have to say passing away. Now. I say graduating. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not sure they do graduate though. If they choose to come back and back and back and back. Right. But whatever, a lot of people, the ma- and we, we know there's this mass die off. And we always think of it as the dark forces and what they're doing to the population. But isn't it interesting that at the same time that we're seeing so many souls getting ready to take off and in the ascension profile, we see so many souls dying off. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think that they're just going to um, materialize somewhere else. Wow. But you're saying, though, just to cap off what we were talking about, that if we do get to those higher dimensions that are outside of time, then we may move past or outgrow some of the cycles of destruction and rebirth. I absolutely believe that the higher we go dimensionally, the less dense we are in a framework we call a dimension, the more uh, the, the less duality or polarity can exist. Because the density is dissipating and we get oh, closer and closer to the divin- divinity of light. So the higher we go, the less of that, that uh, mud of uh, the lower dimensions well, can that, hold us back. Well, that's fantastic. But it's all here, all of these dimensions, all of these beings. It's all divine design. It's all here for some purpose. We're just fulfilling this journey, that our role in this journey. Yeah, you know, and I, I like to remind people, I, you know, the other day, well, it was quite a while ago, there was a butter, I was sitting here at my desk, got the most beautiful view out of, out of the window, and a butterfly got caught in a spider web on the hedge. And I was in the middle of an interview and I said, excuse me, I, I, I left this poor person hanging and I went out because I had to free that butterfly. And I was in the moment of that extraordinary experience. That was the most important thing that was happening for me. And I even thought, you know, is, is interfering with the spider's meal, my karmic right. But I decided it was because I, I couldn't bear to see this this beautiful creature died like that. And I liberated it and I came back and it was a conversation for the interview for sure. But the point being, you know, to, to be cognizant of those moments uh, is Ascension any better than that? I think that that is Ascension because you're, you're literally love at that point, your love, you're acting in love. Your spirit is completely resonant with pure love. That exactly is my point. That is ascension, isn't it? Yes. Being in that state of consciousness where where the three D, the conversation, what it would mean if I walked away, didn't matter. What mattered was in being involved in the liberation of that beautiful being and experiencing it, and the joy that I'm still holding in my heart from that months later. Right. That's you, 
Even the mental picture in my mind is beautiful of that. You know, it was like just seeing it flutter, it's take its last flutter and putting my little finger in that gossamer web and watching it. I knew it was thanking me just the way it, it moved as it flew away. And uh, it was communion. Wow. And I thought, wow, I'm so grateful to be alive and to be aware and awake to experiencing these moments. Yes, that, that is divinity in itself. But why, Patricia, are there forces trying to stop humanity's evolution, to keep us bound in lower frequency 3D? What is the purpose? If these beings are able to realize that it's a futile effort, why even try? ascension evolution it's unstoppable what would be the point to drag it on to make it longer or to just do something as a fear reaction well that's a great question and my answer would be that the there are beings that dwell in the lower dimensions and will always be there and want to drag everything down into them so the battle is not is is like the the dark and the light the lower densities and the higher dimensions and we we're moving between these poles right but there are critters some nasty numbers uh vibrationally that that know only that and have no intention or perhaps their evolutionary process would be billions of years to get up the spiral because the syrians say no matter what no matter how dark there's always a pinpoint of light in consciousness, no matter how long a soul is determined to dwell in the darkness, there's by nature of being a conscious being, there has to be some pinpoint, tiniest pinpoint of light in there and eventual. So, you know, somebody can be going 100 miles an hour. Somebody can be going one mile an hour. Eventually, the 100 mile an hour guy is like long gone when the one mile an hour guy starts to make it up to their on ramp. Interesting. So, so you feel like that lower density, even though they must realize that it's impossible to do what they do, they still try. They still hope there's still something within them to, to try their best to keep us in a low frequency. I think they're very successful in keeping a lot of people in a low frequency. So I don't, I don't necessarily agree that they're struggling to keep us down. I think they've got a, a, a very large percentage of, of uh, souls willingly giving themselves over to the darkness, whether it's signing a soul with the de a, a, a contract in blood with the devil, whether it's taking every single medicine, let's put it that way, that they're mandated whether it's drowning in drugs, whatever, they've got their percentage of critters themselves and then homo sapiens or any other beings that they want to drag down into that cesspool. <sighs> Willing participants. This is very important. In another book that I, I recently did called Hacking the Gut Code, The Conspiracy to Steal the Human Soul, which I must send you. Yes, please. It talks about how, you know, they're not happy just to kill you. They don't want just to kill you off. That's not good enough. That's easy. They want your soul. That's what they're after. And the only way they can get it is if you give it away. Ugh. 
that's the premise of the book, you know, the conspiracy to steal the human soul. You, what are you giving? What are you signing? What, what are you acquiescing to? What are you agreeing to? And so in answer to your question, yeah, they, I don't think they see it as futile. They have a person, there will always be a percentage in the, in the polar fields in which we exist in 3D, there will always be a percentage of souls that are going to go that way. And we have to just let go of it. Right. But as we evolve towards and vibrate towards 4D, that energy can't interface, right? Like the resonance isn't there. According to the council, 4D is a, a field where dark and light battle it out. Oh, wow. So they can interact there. Yeah. And, and, oh. that, and that's why it's all exploding the way it is. Because again, the council say, this is where the karma of all time because you're going to lose time. So it comes to this cliff hanger where all this time affected karma faces itself. The good and the bad, the dark and the light faces itself to deal with itself. And that's why you're seeing the most absurd things unfolding at the same time, because you're coming to a crescendo where the time is going to go. So in this process, is this making sense? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So at this point of no return, let's say all of this that has been created in time in the space time continuum is confronting itself and each other. So you have extreme dark, extreme light, wonderful, extraordinary beings that are ascension bound other beings that are signing this, themselves over to the devil for that new car the fame, fortune, you know, the rest of it. And those who choose to resonate to fear, which we've seen playing out since 19, since 2019, 20, right? Mm -hmm. And those who say, no, I refuse to yield to the fear. I rise above it. I am a sovereign being. All of this playing out in the 4D field of karmic retribution, karmic exposition and um that's where we are right now <laughs> and on the other side of this where we slip into no time link more less of this I, attachment to time more and more as we go forward we're going to feel time more and more slipping away until we are like what in the heck is this where am i and that's going to be an interesting preposition. Let me proposition. Let oh, me absolutely. You. But then in that no time space, are we aging? Is there a sense of movement of time? Like, how would you describe that? I have no clue. Okay. I have an answer for you, but I'm still <laughs> here. Uh, the, the closest I can describe it in my humble experience would be when you dream. When you have those astral dreams, oh yes, you kind of know you're dreaming. You kind of don't. You kind of feel like you're floating over the earth, but you kind of aren't. You're in between sleep and waking. That's the closest thing that I can possibly imagine. It's like, <laughs> okay, I know that feeling. I've had hundreds of very, very lucid dreams and contact dreams in my personal life. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sure some of my listeners do as well, but you do dispel in your book, this idea that's been put forth in new age, metaphysical, spiritual communities about the timeline split and 
two different earths and then the lower density people going one way and the higher density people going the other way. Now you completely dispel that in your book and you actually make a very good point about how the animals, what about the animals? What about the other life forms that are on the planet? Do they deserve to go to that lower supposed timeline? I thought it was a great thing that you kind of broke that down and dispelled that in your book. How do you feel about that now? The reason why I dispelled it in the book was because it felt like a huge judgment call to me. Yes. It's like the good people get to go up and on. And that's when the fifth dimension consciousness started. When people started saying, I'm, I'm a 5D being. It happened at the same time this information came out. I think Dolores Cannon was one of the people that brought this out. But I don't know if she was necessarily the first. Um, and, you know, and the evil sinners will go into hell and a handbag. And the way that this was interpreted by a lot of people was a real turnoff to me because it felt like a judgment call. It felt like uh, you either make the grade or you don't. And then, yeah, like you said, so what about everything else? What about all the other life on this planet? It all, it, it, it ha- what, what about that? And uh, I, I just don't, anything that has to do with judgment from outside I resist because it has religious overtones to me and I don't want religion to interfere in my understanding of spiritual progress. Oh, absolutely. And it's a very humanistic perspective because again, it doesn't address any other life forms. It just says if the humans go this way or the humans go that way, this happens. Well, we're not the only, uh, we're not the only game in town here. Yeah. But the earth herself is a conscious being. So what, Earth is going to split. This conscious celestial being is going to split into two segments. It just doesn't work for me at all. No, when I, I read that, I instantly resonated with that as absolute truth. And, and I feel that you are 110% correct. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk oh. more about the quickening, which is something that's happening. Uh, what specifically do you want me to address? Can you just talk about what that is and how it's affecting us? I'm, I'm at a loss of words for the, for a moment. <laughs> no, that's okay. Because this is essentially what we're talking about. I mean, this energy moving into 4d, the different things that are happening, this is a part of the quickening. It's this feeling, this indicator of, of massive change. Yes. So first of all, we, we feel a whole new consciousness unfolding within us and around us. And that sense of being um, more psychic, more in touch with, more, more um, telepathic, not only with, each, with other humans, but with plants, with, with life forms, more um, people are opening up to receiving channel information. There's a, a, a heightening of I guess what I mean by quickening is there's a heightening of from the sensory experience to the extrasensory experience. Yes. People are much sensitive, much more sensitive, clairsentience of knowing, you know, that, that person across the room, it's somebody you shouldn't be dealing with. There's more of that, more feeling in touch with uh, the environment, particularly in nature, of course. Uh, interaction with animals is changing. People are becoming more plugged into the, the, the essence of, na- of nature, sacred geometry, understanding more about the complexity of design. The question of God 
it's mutated in, for so many people out of the traditional religious experience, even though they're trying to lock us into the war of the religions, more people are having uh, awakening to that extraordinary gift of knowing they're connected to prime creator and recognizing it in every leaf, in every insect, in, in, in every form of everything. I would say that that's a very much the description what this is about. Wow. And you can feel it. And that's the good. You know, we notice the negative polarity of the behaviors and actions that are taking place on earth. But what we're talking about now is the good. There's so much good in response to that. The star seeds, the quickening, there's just so much good energy, light energy coming down now. And the animals, the animals are acting differently. I, I, all the time Absolutely. I see, you know, like a duck uh, nursing with a cat and, you know, a dog talking and kissing a horse. The animals are reacting differently to each other, other species. So, again, I always talk about the animals, too, because I don't believe that it's just humans that are going through this process. And so I think that by being aware, and that's part of the quickening, of other life forms and what they're going through and how we interact with them is part of our immense awakening yes i've noticed that as well i feel like animals are becoming more intelligent or just able to communicate better their consciousness their understanding is evolving and growing as well it's very noticeable or is it that we are more sensitive to them that's a good question that we can maybe it's just a mutual thing it could be but the most extraordinary things i mean things you just wouldn't expect they do especially interspecies healing. I mean, how many times have I seen the YouTube videos where a, a, a little kitten is, is saved because somebody dumped it out of a car, the, the humans, you know, the ones with the brains and left it on the side of the road and gets picked up and brought home and then goes into the, the dog that's nursing her puppy and plugs right in, starts nursing from the dog. And this love, you know, and they keep showing us that, you know, we're there. Isn't it a beautiful metaphor? that the animals are showing us this idea of race, racism is BS. Look at the animals. I don't care if you're a dog or a horse or a duck. I love you. Right. And their love for each other is adding to this resonant love field that's helping everything evolve. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. And that's why with we're turning back to the question of the split of the earth. Uh, I, I don't buy it because I, I think that this, it, it's not just our human experience. It is global life experience. Even the trees. How many times have you seen images where the trees are embracing each other? Have you ever seen any of these? I have, yes. And they, there are also studies and reports about how these trees are sharing nutrients with each other. There's an interconnected web of life in these forests and they're all sharing the resources, sharing this energy. And yes, I have seen all of those videos. And then there's the organization called Daman Hoor up in um, Torino, Italy. They are a, they're probably, I would call them a community, but they've been doing work with um, some sort of device that they've, developed where they can hook it up to a tree or a plant and get musical notes out of the device. Yes. Have you seen 
Yes, yes, I have seen this because we had an episode where we talked with someone who was involved with them. Anyway, uh, you know, monitoring how plants feel, dropping an egg in the water and seeing the plant go off the charts in the electrocephalogram, it's all there. Everything is alive and pulsating. And in this time of our existence here, we are thinking about these things. This isn't Roman gladiators and, and uh, that kind of uh, reality that dominates culture. This is a time when we, yes, we have some very dark stuff going on over there, but so much opportunity, which again is what I was talking about in the 4D. You've got all the wisdom and light and incredible star seed, whatever, on this side, uh, experiencing this existential moment of, of truly examining and this is what I feel is the difference. Truly examining the meaning, the purpose of life versus just walking through it. This is happening for us now. And even the suicidal people are saying, what's the point of life? You know, it's more than just my boyfriend doesn't love me anymore. I'm ready to check out. They're saying there's no point to life. What's the point of life? So it's an existential moment for so many souls. It's quite remarkable. It is a powerful time in human history. You can feel the activation. You can feel the light codes. You can feel the pushback, including something that you talk about in your book, which I don't hear a lot of people talking about, but it's something I've personally been following for about 25 years, and that is chemtrails. You talk about chemtrails in your book as one of the components that these groups that wish to subjugate humanity are using to pollute us and morally to block out the sun. Now, I've been studying this. I've been following the chemtrail situation again since like 1996. And it blew my mind. I couldn't figure out before I read your book why it would be a beautiful, clear day and you'd see a chemtrail plane go by and they'd go right by the sun, just under the sun. So when the chemtrail dispersed, it would completely block out the sun. And it blew my mind because I read your book and I realized that the information coming from the sun is activating our DNA and the chemtrails are doing everything that they can to block that information coming from the sun getting to the human being. Not only that, but the sun is, is without sun, the planet dies. So to take the, the planet down into a denominator of just a miserable hunk of rock with lots of valuable minerals on it, they're more than happy to exploit, is, their, is one of their goals. I, I do want to say that uh, my earliest books, I was, I was bringing forward chemtrail information back before anybody knew about it. Like you said, 1996, I was talking about harp, I was talking about chemtrails, all of it was there. And uh, yeah. Now Bill Gates has a new program where he wants to send a balloon through Harvard. He's working with Harvard, send a balloon into the upper stratosphere and distribute calcium particles to block the sun even more. Oh. And, you know, I. It's hard I to just, hear that stuff uh, because you know that they have the resources to at least try. Yeah, but, you know, they've been trying a lot of things that haven't been working either. So, you know, I, I yield to the idea that there is divinity and that there, that there is a divine 
organization to the physical universe, and that Earth is prime real estate in the body of our sun, and it will be protected. <clears throat> no matter what these despotic maniacs try to do, it will be protected. I, I, I truly believe that. And even though there, there a lot of darkness can unfold, nothing is going to destroy this Earth. No. The Syrians say, you know, when you talk about we, we want to save the earth, trust us. You may disappear, but the earth never will. Even if they blow, if you have a thermonuclear explosion and they blow the earth to smithereens, those smithereens will start to form into new asteroids and eventually planets because that's the nature of reality. And I was like, well, I prefer that it doesn't blow into pieces. Let's keep it. <laughs> and council say there will never be a thermonuclear war. That will not be allowed. I firmly agree with that. Everything I've felt in my own personal life says that that is impossible because everything is made out of that one thing, which is love. And it seems like if everything is made out of love, something like that is not in harmony with infinite love. And the human race is so important and so valuable to the universe that it just it just couldn't manifest in that way. That, yes, that and the fact that outside forces will allow, you know, it's, it's the Star Trek formula, non-interventionism, the law of non-interventionism, which is as long as you're destroying yourselves, we can't intervene. But when you start destroying beyond your boundaries, it's open turf. And so they, the idea that these maniacs would trigger a thermonuclear war, if in fact these devices even exist, which is another question for another conversation, uh, it would be stopped. And we know that there have been crafts that have hovered over Air Force bases and, and blocked nukes in the past. Oh, absolutely. And of course, Fukushima, there was sightings as well, which they seem to contain some of the radiation that was leaking out at that time, though it is still leaking. Yeah, Fukushima is something that just freaks me out. I just don't get it. I, I agree with you because in your book, you talk about how it's like mind-blowing that this stuff is still, the radiation is still leaking into the ocean. It's still not fully contained, yet we've moved on to like 900 other things in the news cycle and it's just out of our consciousness. Yeah, but then you wonder why people are getting cancer. I mean, my brother Bob was, you know, he's a he's in Santa Cruz and he's, he's got a fishing boat and he was fishing soon after. And I said, are you aware that the, <laughs> the radiation is exploding into the ocean? And he said, you worry too much. They might be right. But, you know, I wouldn't be eating any any fish in the Pacific Ocean. No, no. And of course, with the deep, you think about the deep water d disaster, there was a pl plenty of sea life that went into the food supply that were tainted with oil and all the other chemicals. And then comes the question, Jake. It's like, do we also have the ability to override the poisons? Are we capable? I think we are. Yes. Of overriding all these poisons with the conviction that we are absolutely in charge of our, our reality. Yes. I think that as we crystallize into that Christ consciousness, that programs the matter that we exist in automatically. And in that high frequency rate, there just isn't poison and toxins. And it literally dematerializes those things as you are in that crystalline Christ consciousness state. That is beautifully stated. I, I, I 
I hope I can rec- record your recording so that I can remember. <laughs> well, guess what? This episode's <laughs> going to be released, so you're going to have it forever, and as well all of humanity for as long as we have this digital information. But I want to ask you about computers really quick. Do you feel like just like chemtrails, all of these devices, the EMFs in our lives that have just exploded. Do you feel like that is another component used to suppress spiritual energy? Are there electromagnetic forces kind of interfering and blocking certain things within us energetically? Absolutely. And, you know, this is a bone of contention in most conversations because people say, well, you're talking to us through a computer. So how can you be against it? (laughs) The bottom line is the, the, it is the dependency, the hypnosis involved, the uh, entrainment that comes from being attached to these this technology 24-7, that's the problem. If you can pop into an interview and, and be on a, on the computer for an hour, I'm sure that you can undo any in, electromagnetic damage from that brief encounter. But when you're 24-7 with the TV is on in one corner, you got the cell phone on, you got your computer on, it's, it's overkill. And these frequencies are bouncing around you, not to mention what's bouncing around outside of you. So... And when you think your phone is off, it's never off. It used to be that it could be off when you had the, the kind that you take the battery out. Yep. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's never off. It's designed never to be off because you have to be trackable and pinged from whatever tower is closest to you. So you're always traceable. You're always trackable. I don't like it. Yes. So I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I leave my phone outside. I have a little a secret place where I leave my phone outside. And, uh, I like it that way. And people are like, what's the point of having a phone if I can never reach you? I go, there is no point. So get off my back. (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. We haven't had these cell phones that long in general consciousness. I mean, people can leave messages. I mean, we have answering machines. And also these inventions, they're not finished. Sometimes these inventions get created like automobiles or these EMF emitting devices. And we get to a point of success and operation and we stop engineering them. We're like, Oh, it works. Yeah, it's good. Ah, yeah. It hurts people. It damages people, but whatever. It's a slow situation. So just put it out on the market. Whereas if we just kept developing it, if the course correction kept happening, we could engage in these technological situations without any physical or energetic damaging. Very good point. But the question is, what is the intention behind the funding that goes into the technology industry? Is it for the betterment of humankind or not? Personally, I think it's not. And I think there's a satanic uh, imprint to what is being planned for humanity. And that is complete Borg, AI-linked Borg uh, consciousness. We have Yuval, this dude that represents the WEF oh, yeah. as their spiritual advisor saying that we're done. Human 1.0 is finished. We're obsolete. They know how to alter us and we will be de- redesigning humans to be human 2.0. And we will have devices inside and outside and wearable and you name it, bionic eyes. I mean, this is not sci-fi. They're doing this. They have it. And they don't want us to be bothered with the inconvenience of carrying a phone. We can have it inside us. 
And this is what he means by human 2.0. We have the technology. That's where we're taking you, whether you like it or not. And uh, that's why earlier I made the comment about I really don't want to be a reachable through Neuralink. Thank you very much. <laughs> because I don't, I refuse to become part of the hive of AI Borg humanity. So in answer to your question, certainly there are a lot of advantages to technology. The point is the abuse of it and the catapulting of humankind into this AI-dependent new form of being. This guy says humans want, Homo sapiens 1.0 is obsolete. Well, I kind of like being a human 1.0, and I don't feel obsolete. I'm old, but I'm not obsolete. <laughs> and you stick anything in my cerebral cortex or my eyes or whatever. I'm going out sovereign like I came in. It's a divine design. It's beautiful. It is satanic. If you even look at the story of Lucifer and the rebellion and his fall, whether you believe it's mythology or a metaphor or whatever, what you realize when reading that story is that this being was created by God, just like all creation, yet tried to rebel against its creator as if it could because it's created. It's very strange. It doesn't make sense. It's completely futile, just like this situation. They think they can do it. They probably will get people to sign on, but in the end, you can't improve on that design and it will not take a hold of divine consciousness with this AI consciousness. Right. But they don't want to improve on the design. They want to control the design. Right. Yes. Under it's the guise of improving it. It's not for the betterment of, of the species. It's for the control of the species monitoring every single aspect, not only by the way of humans, they want everything chipped, even plants in, in some kind of, bizarre manifest destiny thing. As far as the Lucifer concept, yeah, it makes sense that a created being would take on the role as the extreme polar opposite in order to give weight or give substance to the battle of the polar field that is 3D and below. So it's fulfilling a purpose, though it's not a purpose that any of us would ever want to be aligned with. True. On the other hand, if we didn't have to constantly, and this is a, a really philosophical question here, if we didn't have to constantly choose between good and evil, if, 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 if Eve hadn't plucked that apple, what would the purpose of existence have been? So in other words, great. So everything is, you know, a uh, paradise island. You got a tree, you got a coconut, you got, you know, beautiful water, nothing to worry about, nothing to do. Just, you know, float, sit there on your hammock. Hopefully you are able to build and contemplate nature. How long will you be happy doing that? How long before human nature desires something whether it's, uh oh, I've got to find food or, oh, my God, I, I wish I had somebody with me. I need companionship. There has to be an aspect that we need to strive for because the concept of paradise is an illusion. So in this 
density at least, the polar opposite gives us situations perennially where we have to make choices, which is the free will field. If there is no choice making, what do we do for eternity? Gaze at the stars? How long before that gets old? Right. This is a very philosophical question. No, it's a great question because it really shows that the polarity was there to advance our development, to give us some sense of contrast. But that polarity is meant to be transcended or at least raised up an octave or several octaves as we develop as humans. Exactly. And so the myth, and I I talk about this in the cosmos of soul, my first book, the myth of Adam and Eve is an out, is an, is a metaphor for, for this, this depiction of without, they call it sin. But what really it is, is the creation of an opportunity to choose good or evil without it. So we have naked Adam and naked Eve, and they're staring off into space. They can never have sex because that that has to, you know, require some sort of choice, right? But they don't have choice. They have nothing. They're just sitting there gazing out into perpetuity. It's the apple, the idea that, you know, you can become, you can be faced with a choice. I choose to pluck this apple off the tree. Again, as metaphor. And by taking that action, the consequences can be many things, awakening, uh, sin, however that's depicted. But the point is that action is a free will choice. And the polar aspects of free will choice are good and evil, as we understand them, dark and light, however you depict those polar fields to be. Without them, huh, what exactly are we going to do for eternity? (laughs) And you know, so you might think, well, then what do we do in the higher dimensions? Well, we will have achieved a conscious state where we have graduated through those experiences of uh, polar experience and choice and free will and are refining ourselves to the point where we merge back into the God source. And that is the you feel like one of the main purposes of us as beings to merge with the Godhead. For me, it's the only purpose. It's like we break off as sparks of life and we go through this horrendous climb of this spiral of light, always seeking to return to that source and bring back to that source the wisdom we've gleaned from this journey as sparks of that source. (sighs) (laughs) That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, well, you are. Well, here's another thing I want to ask you. We've had such a great conversation. My God, this could go for hours. You have to come back on. But I want to ask you this. Disclosure, everybody's talking about material extraterrestrials now. It's in the mainstream discourse. There's all of these kind of releases, you could say, of information lending itself to this idea that we've been visiting. President Barack Obama was talking about they've recovered off-world technology. What does this all mean in the material sense, the material ETs? What does this all mean? Is this just a ruse to get us as humans to follow with some global domination plan? Or are there really beings coming 
that are about to present themselves to us? I think there are beings that have been here way before we have, we are that have been living in the underground, been living under in the, in the deep oceans. I believe that there are craft around the planet as well, but bear in mind that first of all, if Barack Obama says it, yikes. <laughs> I know, I know, but I just noticed that he was just a public figure saying, yes, we have recovered off world craft. Yes, but he's not just a public figure. He's really in charge of the whole ship bang. Remember when he said, ideally, it'd be really great for me to just sit in the basement of the White House and, you know, whisper instructions into the president's ear or something to that effect. I've seen him on the video, so it's real. It, 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 I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, if he's talking, it's because he's in charge of the narrative. And the ultimate I mean, when everything else fails and a lot of these programs that they've been putting into play are failing, including the Jabberwocky, as I so affectionately call it. The I've been saying this for a while now, the next big card to play, you want global domination? Here's a, an idea. You own the rhetoric as to whether or not there are ETs, whether or not they're in contact, whether or not they land or not. They have the technology to project a fleet of craft into the sky at any time they want. They have the technology to bring in craft that are, that are Area 51 and other highly developed um, locations where they're hiding highly developed uh, craft that they've back-engineered. They have the technology to dress up some clowns like E.T. with the same kinds of masks they're using for Biden. They can pull off a fake arrival with a, with a heartbeat. So the question is, there are two questions here. One, because you mentioned Barack. <laughs> One of them is the controlled narrative, scare the bejesus out of the people. Think of this. Imagine if Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise, who I love and admire, landed in Washington and he said, we have some good news and some bad news. We've been invited here by your leaders and uh, we're, we're ready and prepared to assist you to graduate into the galactic fraternity of peaceful nation, uh, civilizations. But you're going to have to step up to the plate. We've got things you're going to have to achieve before you're ready. And we're going to work with your leaders to make sure yada yada, right? That is much more frightening to me than if they just start shooting the hell out of Washington, D.C. from above. Because if they can convince the population that we have a semi-benevolent ET population that's going to come and show us how to do it, they have absolute, total control of global population. And lots of starseed and New Agers and spiritual people going, Captain Cooks! <laughs> Galactic Federation representatives, they're all a flutter and everybody's in the cosmos. And I'm going always the exploring mind. Who is this Captain Kirk character? Right. What does he work for? Uh, so it's going to take a lot of discernment if they pull, <clears throat> if this happens, whether or not it's really ETs that land or whether it's orchestrated. Just, I love people to contemplate the fact that a so-called peaceful Galactic Federation admiral 
may not be that whatsoever. And we're going to have to be able to discern the difference. Yes. And we have to have critical thinking. I think the most important thing is non-emotional critical thinking, looking at the situation logically and examining all the points. When you talk about this, I think of the early 1980s TV series V where the people came down with technology and all of these cures for diseases and they look just like humans. And until spoiler alert, people, if you haven't watched this too bad, spoiler alert, they get their faces ripped off and they're actually these nefarious reptilians. Oh my God. What was that? I missed that one. What? What? Is this real? Is this real? You have not seen the 1984 miniseries V, the one of the greatest ET contact visitation sci-fi epics of all time? No, somehow I missed that one. I will send it to you. I'm going to send you a digital file. I'm going to email it to you. It, it's I I I'm sorry I just ruined it for you. Son of a gun. That would be awesome. That would be <laughs> That would be. But you know, I had this conversation with Dr. Michael Sala. I interviewed him on my show, and we were talking about that very thing. What if the fake arrival? Because I think that that's a card they're going to play. I mean, that is the ultimate card. Oh, think about the global population. First of all, eighty percent of humanity bent the knee and took the shot. Right? That is huge coverage. Yep. But when 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 the greatest question confronting mankind throughout history is brought to a, to a conclusion, the entire planetary body, even the natives in Takaho and Kakaka or wherever, the deep recesses of, of some place like Africa are looking up at the stars wondering, right, what is it going to that's a lot of power to have. And they've got the technology to pull it off. They may also be in touch with ET beings that are positive or negative. So there's all kinds of possibilities. But the one that scares me the most is that they could stage a so-called benevolent arrival that is anything but. Oh, just wait till you watch this V series that I'm going to send you. You're just going to be blown away because that's exactly what this is. And when that happens, if something like that happens now, what you're talking about, the technology to fake a landing is called Project Bluebeam. You can search engine that and go down the rabbit hole. All of this technology does exist. And if that was implemented, guess what would happen? People, uh, unelected global government would declare global martial law and just decide to lead us and be the interface point. And that is even scarier to me. They almost achieved it with COVID. They did, didn't they? They shut down the world. So imagine if you've got the White House, you know, we bring you an emergency broadcast and you've got some dude that kind of looks like Captain Kirk uh, on the news with, God forbid, Joe Biden. More likely, Obama. Going, oh, We've got some good news and some bad news. I mean, it's very, very feasible that they could pull a trick like that. I just, I love to have people consider this, think about it, and not automatically go to your soft, fuzzy place when it comes to ET reality, because uh, there are so many possibilities of what that's going to look like. 
And I always want to remind people, as long as it's 3D, it is subject to the dark light polarity. Uh, so if ETs are physical beings, they can be in any, any point on that scale from dark to light energetically. Don't assume it's light. We all want it. We all we can't wait. We, we fantasize about it. We draw cute pictures of grays in air, hot air balloons. But careful what you ask for and careful for what you are presented, especially by any government on this planet. And I fully agree with that statement. And another guest recently brought up a point that the technology of these beings may seem advanced from our perspective, but if it's 3D, like you said, it's bound in polarity. The true advanced technology is so beyond our comprehension, it, it, it's almost unimaginable. So what we perceive as hyper advanced technology and all of these beings must be benevolent because they can do all of these things with this technology doesn't necessarily mean that they're high frequency light loving beings. No, because if they were high frequency loving beings, they wouldn't be using technology against a population. Exactly. <sighs> this is an wonderful conversation. I'm oh loving this. Oh my God, Patricia, we could go for hours. I just want to ask you a few more questions because I know we don't have it all the time in the world. We can bring you back. You can come back. We can talk some more, but I do want to ask you just a couple more questions. So your Syrian name, when you're channeling, is Trigia. And the information that you channel from the Syrian High Council usually revolves around our ascension, the different histories and the different interactions of the past, the things that are going on now, and our transition into the fourth dimension. Now, our sun, it seems, is a big indicator of that. And the holes in the sun, you feel like, are the dematerialization of our sun moving into 4D. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, from the beginning of the work with the council, they explained to me that the sun, the re one of the reasons why they were interfacing with us at this critical juncture is because they have been through solar ascension and they know uh, a lot about that and, and the process that it, it requires the individual to go through and the civilization as well, the species. So they claimed from early on, again, 25 years ago, that it was... The question of ascension was not individual, it was not planetary, it was solar. And that we were going to, in our lifetimes, experience the ascension of the sun from 3D to 4D and beyond. So I found it very interesting. Back then, it was very hard for me to understand what they were talking about, because, you know, sometimes they really rack my brain. And uh, a lot of the information they're discussing, I have, I've not, I'm not a scientist. I've never had any physics. So, you know, they give me this intense physics information. And uh, it's not just a matter of rotely uh, transcribing it into text. I have to get my head around it, too, because they're working with my consciousness in order to bring it through. So early on, I said, can you show me what that looks like? And <laughs> boy, did I get a movie theater on that day the sun they showed me how the sun is first of all it's losing its color that is so true the sun isn't yellow anymore it's white people are noticing that it's losing its density 
And then in the book, I show the keyhole. The sun is not a solid gaseous plasmic mass whatsoever. It constantly mutates. It's open portals, whatever. And some people claim that the sun is a portal for ships to come through. It is not what it appears to be. We do not understand it. We do not understand the electromagnetism of the celestial dynamic relationships, much less this celestial being that is the sun. But they have said that, it, you know, at this, this is the time when the sun begins its ascension out of 3D. And that's why all the planets are shifting. That's why consciousness is shifting, shifting on our planet, shifting on other planets, too, because of the, there's life on many planets in our solar system. Shifting to 4D in the sun. Yeah, the focus that we hold that we're going to ascend to the fifth dimension is erroneous from the point of view that we are beings on a planet that is a vital member of the solitary, the, the, the solar body. They also said that the chakras of the sun are the planets, the primary planets are all chakras. The solar, that is amazing to me. And that the earth is the throat chakra, communication chakra. And isn't that fascinating? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Really fascinating. And, you know, we know that the throat chakra is blue, so the earth is blue. And if you read that part, I think that's an, another book, the description of all the planets in the solar system and their relative chakras and colors, Mars, red, right? And it's the power chakra. It's quite an amazing uh, piece of work, that one. And so, yeah, we're talking about our sun popping out, popping out of the third dimension, and we're going along for the ride. I just saw an article just a couple of days ago, or maybe last week, about this new massive hole in the sun, and it was going to inspire a coronal mass ejection. They just didn't know why the hole was there. And then when I read your book, it, it all made sense. <laughs> Yeah, when I was channeling that information, I was like, okay, a hole in the sun, that makes sense. And you've seen the, I'm sure you've seen the picture of the ship that's that's positioned. Yes. It looks like it's a fueling station, it's getting fuel from the sun, which is impossible in physics as we understand it. And the council always say, your understanding of what's possible or, or not possible from the point of view of physics is limited to your 3D perception of reality. And we speak of your scientists for starters. So it's, it's cute, but it's only as physics from the 3D realm, not from the higher realms where those laws don't apply. Right. Because I have seen that video. And in fact, I was thinking about that video while you were talking. And with all of this information, knowing everything that we talked about, what would you say is the most encouraging advice you can give to people as all of this activity is happening. I hate to say this, but this is what I say at the end of every interview. And that is always remember that you are in an eternal flame. You are an immortal soul. And no matter what evolves on this planet and all the concerns and worry and bad news and that we're confronting, as well as all the excitement of being a star seed and, and uh, exploring what reality means here. Just remember that no matter where you are in this band of polarized consciousness, 
this is a density. It's a tube that you're very, very short time on your trajectory up the spiral of light. 70, 80, 90 years in this dense tube. And then you're coming back out the other side, back into the eternal light to experience yourself on some other level. So don't take it too seriously. It's only life. <laughs> and that is beautiful <laughs> because if, when we have that loving openness, that's when we can bring in the highest frequencies, the highest energy for our lives and, and everyone. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I have to say that I've had an, a, an extraordinary near death experience. When I was 17, I drowned and, uh, I had the whole experience of going through the tunnel and there were dolphins all around me. And I had that incredible, just immense love, the knowing. And I, I, the voice said, you can't leave yet. Your mother, you have to stay for your mother. And I was like, no, I don't have to stay. I just, Oh God, it was just so over. It's there's no words for what I felt. And so many others have felt as well. The love, it's just the divine allness is almost more than you can bear. And so I, I'm kind of looking forward to it, to be honest. Oh, I can't wait. I, the process unfolding, the Lotus unfolding, the blossoming of everything is just amazing. And I'm so grateful to be here to witness it and have the ability to even talk about it and talk about these things with somebody like you. It's been amazing. Thank you. It's been amazing for me too, Jake. I knew, I think I told you at the beginning, I don't know if we were on the air or not, but I had a clear understanding that you were a kindred soul and you certainly don't disappoint. <laughs> I feel the same way. Look, we're all a part of this network. We're going to stay connected. And as we connect, as we build this beautiful network, we're going to all help. We're going to all add that if we can just say anything about what we're doing, we're just adding to the experience the best we can bringing in as much love and light as we can, which is what we did today, which has been an incredible interview. My God, Patricia, this is amazing. Thank you. I just got the goosebumps. Hallelujah to that. And to everyone listening, please share this video. Hi, uh, this, this, uh, sorry, this, what do you call this? Uh, this audio, this podcast, this link, whatever, yeah, all of the above. Share, share it with everyone because there's so much power here. We've done quite a remarkable thing together. I, I, I'm, I'm delighted. I believe so as well. And I want to tell people where to find you. The website, www.patriciacorey.com. Now I'm going to spell this for you. P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-C-O-R-I patriciacorey.com you'll find out everything about her her books and she has a online course coming up so if you're interested in this information you actually want to work directly with patricia there's an online course on the website and the books the ones we're talking about today the new syrian revelations galactic prophecies from the sixth dimension the other books are these are just some of them, by the way, hacking the God code, no more secrets, no more lies, a handbook to starseed awakening, the starseed dialogues, the Syrian revelations trilogy, which I'm super excited to dive into now because this is in a way an addendum, a sequel to this and there's more. So if you go to patriciacorey.com, you'll find the books, you go to Amazon, 
or wherever you buy books, put in Patricia Corey, you'll find everything. And again, if you're interested, do the online course. I mean, listen to what we've talked about. It's been incredible. And Patricia, I just want to thank you again for being here. I want to thank you for all of your work channeling the Syrian High Council and all of the light that you've brought into this dimension in your lifetime. You're a legend, and I deeply appreciate you. Thank you. I'm very grateful for you just for those words, and I'm delighted to connect with you. Oh, and you're coming back on, right? And we're going to do this again? Absolutely. I can't wait. All right, people, you heard it here first. She's going to come back. Okay, everyone, (laughs) check out the website again. And Patricia, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it again. You too. And thank you to all listening. Ciao, ciao. Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays to all. All of the above. And please hold through the outro music. And everyone, what an episode. Another classic Midnight on Earth episode. I can't believe we had Patricia here talking about this. She's coming back. We will see you next week. Midnight on Earth.